Hello, friends, and welcome back to this week's Table Talk. It is a new year. It is a new season. Uh, it is a new setup here at yeah. Table Talk. And also, there is a new podcast out there as we begin this new series. Uh, you can search River Oaks Table Talk, uh, Apple, Spotify, or anywhere you get your uh, podcast. And our guest today may get their How to Raise Twins podcast. Miss <laughs> Natalie Jungles is with us. Welcome, Natalie. Thanks. To the table. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good to have you. Pastor David Beatty is with us here. again here at the table. Great and to be here. Uh, we're, we've also got a little bit of a new format this year. So we're going to dive right yeah. in and really the idea is to uh, speak to both the sermon and some questions, but um, help us guide through our study guide a little bit and uh, leave us with some thoughts that are like, hmm, I don't know if I thought about that or not. So it's our look at Luke. And this is the first week we're in chapter three, verses one through 22. Uh, in our study guide, it is part two. That's where we're picking up the series. And unit one, page 34, for those of you with a study guide. Uh, but as we get into it, it's John the Baptist. John the Baptist. John yeah. the Baptist. So right off the bat, um, any preconceived notions about John the Baptist before the sermon or after the sermon or... Natalie, you want to share? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, when I was first thinking about John the Baptist, um, the first picture I had was him baptizing Jesus. Um, so I just assumed or just think of him always wearing something like Julius Caesar, white uh, <laughs> in the water. Yeah. Like you think baptism, you think white robe. Okay. Um, but in reality, it's a dirty place. It probably wasn't white and yeah. didn't stay white if it was. Um, and then I started thinking more about, well, he lived in the wilderness. So he probably looked more like the sand people from Star Wars, <laughs> yeah. Mandalorian, yeah, Boba know. Fett. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The environment probably did for, for certain out there. Yeah. David, have you ever had any preconceived thoughts? Of well, you know, the connection with Elijah in the Old yeah. Testament, kind of a very bold kind of a character, but locusts and wild honey living mm. in the wilderness makes him, makes you think he's a, kind of a rough looking character. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think probably as I, as I kept going through the preparation, probably more ascetic, you know, asceticism mm -hmm. yeah. than we would have thought. Uh, yeah. Um, as we would see later monastic movements and sort of maybe like the Essenes and some of the mm -hmm. other communities that were out there. But so we're John the Baptist. So let's get, we want to read some of the key passages in John the Baptist. And Natalie's got a couple of verses that she's going to read for us to get us moved into some questions. Okay. I'm going to start with verse three. And he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, the prophet, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And I'm going to skip to skip to verse eight, bear fruits in keeping with repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children of, for Abraham. Mm. Even now the ax is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree therefore does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds ask him, what then shall we do? And he answered them, whoever has two tunics is to share with them who has none. And whoever has food is like, is to do likewise. And the tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers also asked him and we will, and we, what shall we do? 
And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation, but be content with your wages. As people were in expectation and all were questioning with their in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Mm. Any of those resonate yeah. with you particularly? I really loved um, verses eight, starting with eight. And um, when they when he said the fruit, this is what the fruit looks like. Um, and I just was thinking, he's basically saying, be content, take only what you need. And yeah, that's like when he gave them manna and every day yeah. he said, only take what you need. And if they took more, it like rotted and turned into, mm -hmm. you know, was it maggots yeah. overnight? Right. And that's gross. Um, so he's basically saying, take what you need, be content with what you have, share with others, make sure your people are being taken yeah. care of and don't take extra, be considerate mm. of others. We're going to look at that specific question in, in the study guide in a second too. So oh. great, great verse on that. Great verse. Well, thank you for reading that, Natalie. That's really the heart of what we're going to be looking at this week, what we looked at uh, on Sunday. Um, David, any verses for you particularly that... Well, I love the verse where, where John says, I baptize with water, but he who's coming is mightier than I. Mm. He'll baptize mm. you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And then John says, um, I'm not even worthy to unloose the strap of his sandals. Yeah. What an image. I'm not yeah. even worthy to wash his feet. Yeah. And so John uh, knew the greatness of Jesus mm -hmm. who's coming. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. It's, yeah. it's powerful. Powerful verse, I think. You know, and, and uh, we'll move on. But one of the verses for me that has really struck me this week is is really a little bit outside of what we talked through. But verse 18, uh, it's within those first 22. But verse 18, uh, so with many other exhortations, he preached the gospel, the good news to the people. I think sometimes my preconceived notion was there was this, you know, uh, one three-day revival. <laughs> <laughs> and John does this and Jesus shows up and out, you know, the revival's over. And really, John was out there for however many mm -hmm. weeks and months and uh, who knows how long. Mm -hmm. And and that he was preaching good news. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. just you bunch of snakes. Right. And, and so that right. it was part of this. So right. wonderful uh, look into the scripture this week. Now, David, we, we want to look at one viewer question, too, uh, before we look at uh, the historical insight. This question was from Ruth. And Ruth asked a wonderful question, baptism of repentance, mm -hmm. which we read about, right. for remission of sins. Is this one of the scriptures that those who, in their faith, would say that salvation requires baptism? Uh, Great question. For assurance of salvation. Is this one of the verses you think they use as support? Well, uh, perhaps. I think there are a couple of verses that might even... Um, you could use to make the case for that a little more strongly. In Acts 2 and verse 38, mm. Peter says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So it almost sounds yeah. like you got to be baptized to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I don't think that's the case, but that would be a verse. And then I think it's 1 Peter chapter 3, <clears throat> um, verse 21 where Peter speaks of baptism, which corresponds to this. He's tying it to Noah in the ark. Right, now right. saves you. But fortunately, he goes on to say, not as removal of dirt from the body, that is not right. the water itself that saves you, 
but an appeal to God for a good conscience. So, uh, no, I don't believe baptism saves you. Mm-hmm. And we often point to the thief on the cross who, you know, died next to Christ and was never baptized. Right. But right. it's highly important. And uh, Jesus shows that when he has John mm-hmm. baptizing. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll pull up. Uh, as part of that, there was another question from the uh, Garrett and Celeste small group, uh, ball small group, mm-hmm. the balls. Uh, their question was then, um, then why was Jesus baptized? Why was Jesus baptized if he was if he was sinless, and um, it's required for the, you know is it required for repentance of sins or it's not or I don't know if that ties in or not but that just struck struck yeah, me as you said that it's a great question and all I can recall that Jesus says was um, thus it's fitting to fulfill all, all righteousness, righteousness. Yeah. and um, he is our example yes. His, He's also our Savior, our Lord. He's yeah. God. He's unique, but He's also our example, right. and we're to imitate Him and be yeah. followers of Him. And I look at it um, from that point yeah. of view. And I think I guess the tie-in I was 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 thinking when you said that was that's the obedience factor that that uh, there's this act of obedience that Jesus lives out right. even in His perfect state that demonstrates that it's a commandment of God to Israel at this time. Mm-hmm. I mean, He's going to follow in obedience and, and yeah. follow that as well. And as he clearly says in Matthew 3, 15, uh, for the fulfillment of righteousness. Right. Yeah. Right. So great. Well, good, good question. So um, one of the things we want to look at is uh, we've, we've hammered this thing about Luke being a historian, I think in the sermon on the discipleship leader training in your book, but it is important. So we're not gonna talk about that. Each week we're going to look at the historical insight though, uh, in that spirit and uh, it's in the book. And this week, within our passage, we see these names of political and religious leaders at the very first part of it, uh, three, one, and two. And one of the names we see is Herod. Herod's all over the place in the New Testament. Um, what do we what do we make of that? Did Herod just live forever? And <laughs> you know, he he's at the 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 birth. He's at the baptism. He's at with Paul. Um, do you guys know anything about Herod? I might. <laughs> you might. And why might you? Because we talked about this earlier. <laughs> I um, I thought that maybe he did live for forever. He yeah. was everywhere. So I had to figure out what was going on. And I actually made um, this, what do you call it? Like a family tree. You of made all a family tree. And that was before knowing today in the question, right? <laughs> yeah. This was just on your own. Yeah. Wow. A family tree of the Herods. That's have? awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. I was a little confused. <laughs> Do you always study the Bible this in depth like that? When I'm confused. That's awesome. Wow. So what's the uh, the sort of elevator speech that you give someone who says, well, tell me about this Herod thing? <laughs> well, there's the dad, which is okay. or the, the main one, Herod the Great. He's the Christmas story Herod. Okay, right. So... Um, he, you know, killed babies trying to find Jesus. And um, he did some great things like he built, he rebuilt Solomon's temple. The temple guy, yeah. But he was yeah. mainly cruel, yeah, including executing his three oldest sons. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he had seven sons in total. So that's how we have so many Herods. Um, you have, let's see. Antipas, right, and I don't know if I'm saying them correct, but um, and Archelaus, okay, and then Philip, who were right. the tetrarchs, right, and that's how you hear more about them. So, which tetrarch means 
that they ruled over the four regions yeah a quarter it? it's a quarter ruler yeah and that's in your book here too this is great so but um it's a quarter ruler and there was some fight over it but philip got one and antipas got one and um that's also king herod the great mm-hmm. started really the herodian dynasty right way back like almost 40 bc mm-hmm. and he was he died shortly after the wise men and the you know trying to kill the, the babies mm-hmm. and all and then Antipas rises to it, right? He's the second mm-hmm. one. And that's who we're dealing with here. Yes. With John the Baptist and Jesus. Right. Do you recall what Jesus called Herod Antipas? Fox. fox. The fox. Yes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he called him the fox. Um, do you also recall what happened at Jesus's trial under Herod Antipas? It was sort of unusual. This is like a bonus question. This is double jeopardy. Happened at Jesus' trial. Yeah. What it says about him in, in, in scripture, I think it's in Luke, actually. I don't think it's in the other gospels. I think it's I in remember. Luke. It says that after he had um, had uh, mocked Jesus and sent him back to Pilate, that Herod and Pilate became friends on that day. Oh, where before they were, they were enemies. That's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. Um, and then lastly, to kind of wrap this historical moment up, um, the next Herod in scripture. Herod Agrippa. Agrippa. Yeah. yeah. And how do we know him? Well, he was the, well, so the first Herod Agrippa, he was Herod the king in Acts 12, 1. That's the only time he's mentioned. And then Agrippa 2, he was King Agrippa that talked to um, Paul in Acts 25 and 26. And he said, um, it was during Paul's trial and he found Paul not of doing any wrong and said, I think you'll convince me in a short time to be a Christian. That's awesome. That's so. great. And so the Herodian died. It's just like if we said the, the Kennedys or the Bushes or, you know, down to, um, and um, it would go till about, I think, 100 AD, 100. There'd be Herods and, wow. and go on. So, so I guess let's wrap up the historical moment in conversation here just with the mm-hmm. idea of why was that important, you think, for Luke to even include <laughs> the list of Herod and uh, the Caesar and, you know, Tiberius and um, the Tetrarchs and, why, why would you say that was important? Or would you skip right over there and say, you know, that's not really relevant? And that's okay if you would. I just. No, I think okay. it's really important to know which one. There was one of, um, let's see, that said it was like, I think it was the um, Archelaus one. He was like even more cruel than his father. Yeah. So to know which one it is and what they've done and maybe how cruel they are. <laughs> yeah. I think that's really important. And to know the time frame yeah. too mm-hmm. in the area with I think it's I think it's important to know who you're dealing with. Wonderful. Yeah. David, have you Luke Luke really roots it in history. Yeah. He he ties pins himself down here. Mm-hmm. I mean he's very specific about the yeah. timing of yeah. all these things. So he's an historian and that's right. he's very detailed. Yeah. Specific in what he gives about the timing. And, and, and all of these obviously can be backed up. And, and, and he, right. you know, I, f- I find it interesting, the first of this uh, chapter, he could have just st- stopped with in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar. Right. And yet yeah. he continues, he shows us all these, you know, yeah. pieces, dominoes, all these parts that are going on. So thank you for that. Yeah. And that's I think great, that's really important lesson. for people who are science and history minded yeah. to like prove the faith. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. he's... Luke's like, I got you. I'm going to prove. I'm going to say a lot of things to prove that this is real. That's great. All right. So the history moment, we'll take a look (laughs) at that each week because it's part of the passage. So we want to understand it. Um, David, let's talk about the, the one question out of the study today. 
Yes. Number six. Number six. I think number six is a good one. Yeah. yeah. What fruits are given as evidence of genuine repentance before God? And how does this further our understanding of preparing the way for Jesus? In what way is John's message a foreshadowing of the teaching of Jesus? What do you think, David? Well, uh, you know, this is in, in writing the question, you know, this is sort of like, what was he thinking when he wrote it? Um, I think what we're seeing here is we're seeing one, John saying this is a different kind of king. Right. In preparing the way for most kings, you know, the, the, these ideas of this is how you would bear fruit and, and having that tied into it. Those wouldn't be the sort right. of fruit right. that you would need. Um, so he's preparing the way for a different kind of king, one who values and requires and expects caring, sharing, mm -hmm. honesty, integrity, respect, right. contentment. That's a great word. Um, but even further, as, as I'm reading through that and all the ways John's teaching um, and, and responding to those questions, I can't help but think of the Sermon on the Mount. Hmm. I can't help but go back and see that's exactly what Jesus told the people to, to, to act and behave and be. Right. And every time we look at the Sermon on the Mount, we have to remember because he's describing himself. Mm -hmm. The Beatitudes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That, I mean, he's describing himself and saying this is this sin is how you should live. So to me, I think they they really point, they do foreshadow mm. him and they foreshadow our Christ likeness as yes. well. Does that make sense? Ah, that's is an that, excellent point, I think. Is that, so so hopefully the groups uh, will spend some time on that that question and and kind of make that connection as well. Uh, that there there seems to be some some kind of connection there. Well, the, the last thing that we want to do, again, kind of a, the new format, I think in season one, we had, uh, well, you were with us on, we want to get to know you. You've never been to Table Talk. That's right. We go back and watch on Get to Know Natalie on that, <laughs> on that whole other series. Uh, but in the first season of Table Talk, you recall, we, we talked about sharing your testimony. Mm -hmm. Right. And then last season at Table Talk, we had just sort of this, the, the final word you know, 10 seconds or less. So what I thought we would do this season is it's it's sort of this last look at Luke, um, kind of maybe something that's a little bit off the wall or uh, that requires some reflection. And uh, I had two two things I wanted to, to ask real quick is in a conversation at the leaders dinner, it came up, well, wow, Luke is so rich. There's so much detail. This is exciting. How come we never recommend it to someone who's never read the Bible? And I thought, hmm, well, let's see. You're right. I don't. I don't know if we do. And so I was going to ask you: do, do you have a book that you recommend to someone who's never read the Bible, David and Natalie? I I generally start with the Gospel of John. John, and that is uh, for one reason: it's John twenty, and verse thirty-one. It says, "These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name." Okay. Just because John says, "I wrote it." So you'd believe. Yeah. However, the same is true of the other Gospels. Right. And um, so there's no reason not to recommend Luke. Ideally, a person who's exploring would read the four Gospels. Sure. Right. Okay. What about you, Natalie? Do you ever think of like, okay, this is where I'd suggest you start? <laughs> I always say the four Gospels. Okay. Um, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, I wouldn't not recommend Luke. Right. I also say to read Genesis with them so you can okay. know why. Yeah. yeah. Um, like good. the creation. And <clears throat> then I feel like if you leave Genesis out, it's really 
lacking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. That's great. Okay. And, and I guess personally, I've always sort of said, I've always been drawn to Mark. Um, I think just because of the, the urgency of it and the, the brevity of it, um, that it covers a lot of ground pretty mm -hmm. quickly. And I, I sort of recommend that as a, Hey, get yeah. through all the main episodes, but you know, uh, Luke for a Gentile. So Matthew has a lot of Jewish, um, you know, assumptions, uh, may be a little more difficult, but, um, in someone who's really historical minded, loves yeah. history, yeah. someone who makes flow charts and family trees about <laughs> the Herods, they might say, this is for you. So you'll have certainty, right? <laughs> and the other sort of, uh, last look at Luke is the, again, the ball small group asked me this, who baptized John the Baptist? <laughs> that wasn't a trivia question. It was just really a good question. <laughs> doesn't say it doesn't say yeah no. I, I don't i don't i think we can't speculate yeah. but i can't I, I do know that uh when jesus came to him he said you should baptize me yes yeah. yes so maybe that's an indication that he he sort of underwent that mikvah jewish cleansing himself hmm. and then was called just to provide that to others i don't know hmm. don't know that's a great that's that's how we'll leave our week and uh <laughs> be thinking thinking about that so um in fact if uh, if you do know who baptized john the baptist or you have any comments about books that you recommend to, to those who uh, are new to the bible uh, put them in the comments and then we will see you next week on uh, table talk thank you natalie and thank you david thank you thank appreciate you. it blessings